Welcome to TV Times 3, episode 327. On this episode, we've got some renewal news, and then we'll be talking about our trip to Austin, Texas for the ATX Television Festival Season 5, and then we'll also be talking about the series premiere of Brain Dead and the second episode of Season 2 of Unreal. Plus, we've got some TV recommendations at the end. You can find the full show notes with start times for each segment at tvtimes3.com slash 327. I'm Jason the TVaholic from tvaholic.com, and this week I have joining me... Uh, Kyle from notaryruns.net. And Melissa from the Televixen. And TV POV. And TV POV, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Don't forget to mention the podcast on the podcast, Melissa. Yeah, well, we're still kind of getting started or getting restarted. So, and TV POV is part of the Televixen. So, well, thank you both for. Uh... For joining me on episode 327, as we just uh, were sort of talking about before we started recording. Haven't seen you since, like, yesterday. Or Kyle, a couple days ago. Yeah, it's been forever. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's right. <laughs> so long. All right, thank you both for uh, joining me. First up, before we get into all of the fun we had in Austin, a few things that uh, came out over the last week. Uh, Comedy Central has renewed Idiot Sitter for a second season. I saw the first episode. I never watched it anymore. <laughs> I, that's one more one more episode than I watched. I've never even heard of it. Yeah, they paired it up with Workaholics last season, didn't they? For the first season of it? I think so. Yeah, I mean, I it definitely fits with the, that type of show. I just It just piled up on my TiVo. I never got around to watching it. So I end up just uh, actually deleting it instead of leaving it there for two years, yeah. <laughs> like is my typical. Yeah, and then, which sounds weird to say, AT and T renewed a show, but so since they now own Directv, I'm just going to say like I always do. Directv has renewed you, me, her, for a second and a third season to play on their audience network because it just sounds weird. You're like, why did the phone company renew well, a TV it also show? <laughs> <laughs> well, because the ATT Uverse also gets it, they also get that channel. Yeah, but it's it just sound it just sounds weird when you just say AT and T is renewed, and you're like, okay, they're the parent company, I get it, but everyone has a network these days. <laughs> yeah. You know, it'd be like, you know, saying, you know, whatever the biggest company out there, you know, like if NBC renewed something, you're like, well, Xfinity renewed a show today. <laughs> that just yeah. sounds weird. So that'll be back for a couple more seasons. If, uh, HBO also announced that uh, Larry David is going to come back and do a ninth season of Curb Your Enthusiasm. It sounds like he got bored <laughs> and, <laughs> and maybe and is coming back. to. But more of it, I think a lot of it is he's had probably time to to have just more random things happen that he can build off of. Because since a lot of the stuff that has always come from you know, his life, that when you start just dropping like season after season, you got to start just whole cloth making everything up after a while. Uh, so I bet you he's got some interesting stories or things that he's been involved in since then. I suspected that we'd be getting this news soon because he just looked like he was having way too much fun showing up on SNL all year, all of this past season. So it was like, okay, it's only a matter of time before there's some new curb. 
whatever the reason, I'm happy it's coming back because I, I always enjoy this show. There's like Curb and then there's like Louie. There's like a couple of shows where and with the networks that they're just like, yeah, whenever you want to do another one, it's it's like never canceled, you know, never, you know, never done. It just anytime you want, just come back and let us know and we'll, and we, you know, we'll work out, you know, the fine details of it or whatever. But it, you're pretty much good to go whenever you've got another idea. So, yeah, that that should be good. And then Nashville uh, was revived for a, f- a fifth season, or a fourth, a first season. I can't, can't, how I typed it, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it'll be back for a fifth season uh, on CMT. So uh, for all the Nashies out there, it'll be starring Colin Firth. That's what yes. it's Colin. <laughs> 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 That's right. It, well, it, it was the. Uh, it went from the the fourth season cancel to the fifth season renewal, so that's the it's the first season, <laughs> I guess. I don't know, but yes, that's the that's the news. I stopped watching Nashville sometime in season two, so yeah, I don't even think I started season two. I've kept watching it only because it's it's an okay one to have on in the background as I'm doing other things. Um, and there's, there's lots you know, of music to listen to. <laughs> well, that's exactly it. The music is still pretty good. And there may be one of the five main storylines that I'm kind of interested in. And the rest of it, I, I hope that part of it moving to a new network that they can get back to. I don't know. Like season one was pretty good. Like they just need to refocus on the things that people actually care about instead of the things no one cares about (laughs) (laughs) yes Uh, but perfectly happy for the show to be you know still be around so for for those that enjoyed it it was kind of one that was i mean ratings wise you can i mean ratings wise basically abc could have canceled it at any time over the last four seasons so but it always had that the music element and all the sort of extras around it that i think help sort of keep it you know, kept it going along, but then it seems like a perfect fit for CMT, like almost like it should have been there all along type of thing, but, but they couldn't afford it. (laughs) That's true. They they definitely couldn't. They need to wait for the production company to promise that they were bringing it back. So you're like, well, if you're, you've made a promise, we'll uh, step in and uh, take a sweet deal. If you really want to make another season. All right. On the topic of season fives, we were all just in Austin for, the ATX Television Festival, uh, their fifth season since they they don't go by year. They call them seasons, which makes sense. It's a TV festival. So five seasons in. This is the second season that I've attended. Second for you, Kyle. And this was your third, Melissa? Yeah, my third. So we've got previous versions of it to sort of compare it to, but... Just a, a quick off the the start, like did, did you enjoy yourself more or less than previous seasons? Did, how do you think that the the festival has changed, grown, or think it's still similar to when you first went, Melissa? I'd say this season was probably um, a lot more like the first year I went. Um, it it had that same kind of energy and excitement. Um, it was a little more. 
I mean, there were there were a couple of things that I didn't manage to get into because of the way my schedule was laid out. But for the most part, it was a lot more relaxed and laid back. Although I constantly had something to do, it didn't feel as frantic. The energy was different this year. It was a little more the laid back um a little more laid back like it was when I was there the first time around. So um, the vibe definitely worked for me this year. Um, and it probably, this is now my my favorite year with the first year I went. So it'll go season five, season three, season four. It would be the order if I had to pick right now. So how about you, Kyle? Yeah, I think it was, it definitely, like it felt a little bit smaller than last year but also bigger in some aspects, but less, definitely less people than last year. Didn't feel as crowded. There were still lines and things, but it seemed a little more organized and they seemed more prepared for it than they were last year. Because with the Gilmar girls, they didn't know what they were getting into last <laughs> year. And, but yeah, I think, uh, I mean, I don't know if I really could pick a favorite year one over the other. Um, but I mean, yeah, there was like lots of stuff to do. Some of the scheduling, the, just like last year, there were some things like multiple things I wanted to see, but they all overlapped. So you have to make a choice. But I'm sure they do that on purpose because otherwise everyone would try to get into everything <laughs> and you wouldn't be able to do that. Yes, that's right. Kyle wants a 14 day festival where everything <laughs> is, where you get to go to everything. Uh, everything's in the Paramount. They only sell the exact number of tickets to fill that one thing. And I get my first, second and, and row. you get to be in the <laughs> second row. <laughs> Although I did manage to get, like, second row, first or second or third row pretty much everywhere. I had second row for the Shield Writers Room reunion. Yeah, I'm not sure on the, the size. I think they probably overall had more people than than possibly last year. It just was... There was no one thing where they all tried to show up to it, like the Gilmore Girls last year. So you had that one thing where you could see, like, the bulk of the people uh, were there. But the rest of the things lining up for, I didn't feel like it was much much different to get into things than, than last year. Uh, but it also did seem to have, I don't know, there was maybe more of the, like, the actors and... And stuff of that that were, and you know, writers and producers and whatnot that were hanging out around, yeah, you know, more this year than than were last year. And I didn't see as much of that uh, last year, which is one of the things that I'd heard about, you know, pri- you know, it, from prior s- seasons, and uh, that seemed to be happening more this season. Uh, you know, but overall, I think it was. Just as good, although I think they did make some improvements with handing out the the boarding passes uh, with the, you know for where you were in line. But even with that, I don't think they always did a great job of using that number to say, okay, we're at you know 179. You're not getting in, you know, type of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. While they added that feature it seemed like they were sometimes but not all the time using that correctly but then there's still times like i'm not sure how i was holding a ticket in the 130s to get into the state theater for the oc on the final day 
and didn't get in. If you do a third of the room into, because I think unless that theater is like way smaller than I think it is. Well, no, I, they I, were also selling tickets directly, like individual tickets. But even if they sell some tickets that if, if it's reserved for some day pass tickets, if it's reserved for press, mm-hmm. if it's reserved for, you know, and then you know what that number is. You know how many seats you've reserved. You, ha- you know how many fast passes you've sold. And you know past that, okay, this is how many more seats are in the building. And so you're handing out these boarding passes. When you get to that, towards the end of that number, you go, you, t- you start telling people, you'll probably get in, but we're not sure. And, you, and once you get past that number a little bit, you go, it's getting really iffy. And once you get like 20 or 30 past that number, you just start telling people, you might as well not stand in line. Yeah, I yeah. had a ticket for 130 and ended up being like five short when they closed off the line. But the line, there was another 100 and something people behind me. So, the, yeah, they had no chance of getting I it. still yeah. say with the handing out these boarding passes is they should be able to figure out the not yeah. let these other 100 people stand there for a half an hour, 45 minutes in the sun. Right, that's still the one thing that they 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 headed in the right direction. But they weren't always – it didn't seem like all the volunteers or everybody was exactly using it right. And then also they told us the line was closed. They're shutting it off and people started walking away. And then Kyle texted me that they're, that they're doing a, a hand – they're doing a count to see how many seats are left in the place. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like, then why would you come out and tell people to, to leave if you're still uh, seating – you know, you're still going to be seating some people. So still on some of their bigger venues – on some of those things, it on the the popular things to get into, they're 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 closer, but they still haven't got it fully figured out. Mm-hmm. That's the only uh, that's my only real complaint, and even that, it's not even a big deal because it's not like I didn't still have fun hanging out with people during that hour and a half. <laughs> yeah, Waiting, I but, you know. I had a reserved seat for that, and I still couldn't get in. Because the interviews I had doing beforehand went over time. Um, so I just went and checked out the Fargo vinyl launch, which ended up being a heck of a lot of fun. Yeah, and it would also be if there was, I guess, I, at least there was a couple other things at that time. So it wasn't like it was just that last thing, too, where it's just sort of stuck out there by itself. Uh, but that that's the only thing. They were, like, so much closer. Like, they now had the information in hand, but weren't always using it to manage the lines. Yeah, I think part of the problem, they're still doing these, like, super secret, we need to fill the seats for the previous panel, you people, like, hide out here. Like, they, like I was inside, because I, I went to line up early for that one, and then they said, oh, if you want to come in to see the the Royal Pains, we'll seat you first for the, for the OC panel. And so I went in, and then, like, afterwards, they had me just waiting inside, so I didn't have to wait in the sun. But, like, all these people, they're like, okay, we're going to have them, like, fake line up so we can count them uh, inside and then just uh, have them go in. So, I mean, I got to sit even before the fast pass people, which is unfair. Like, I, they should have put me to the side, had all the fast pass people come in, and then just seat me first as part of the regular crowd. Yeah, but, I, yeah, that's that's a little messed up, seating you before the fast pass people. I don't have a problem with 
oh, there's somebody in line. You know, somebody's got here for line. You want to go in and watch this thing that's not full, and then you don't lose your spot in line yeah. type of thing. That's perfectly fine. And if you're part of, did they, or did they give you like a pass or whatever? Or they they gave everyone else going. Me, they just rushed through and had me go in. But other people got the, like these guest passes, or they already had fast passes. Even with that, they should start handing out the passes. You know, the numbered passes for the next panel to those people. Yeah. And so. Yeah. The, you know, if there were 10 of you or something like that, then the first person standing in line outside should have been number 11. And so there's stuff like that. But there's still it's still weirdness where that theater, I, I think it seats like 100. So I'm not sure how you could be like less than 150 in line and not get in. They had like 17 press and then they had some other reserved ones for like friends of the panelists. But... Yeah, how do you, that's still not you don't have, you can't possibly have that many like uh, fifty of those. <laughs> I almost felt like that it was one of those where they were cutting off the line because they were going to be starting in like two or three minutes, not because it was necessarily full. I think it was pretty full inside though. Yeah, so I don't know where all the people came from or, or how that how that always works, but I still say no matter how many people, I don't care how many people they reserve it for, or how many or what they do to fill those seats, they should know what that number is and how many there are for the regular badge holder line. And when you're ha being handed a number, you figure somebody knows something. Mm -hmm. And that they were handing out numbers and that the thing went around the corner and all the way down the block and around the corner. And you're just like, there's no way all these people are getting in here. Somebody should have been saying, sorry, the line's cut off here. The line's cut off here. And, you know, the 20 people in front of that been telling them you might you may or may not get in. So it's mm -hmm. like you know, your choice to stand here type of thing. But uh, enough of the the one minor downside of it. And we'll move on to actually talk about the fun and everything that we had and start with uh, our Thursdays. And uh, Kyle, you flew in on Thursday. Just barely, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. You almost didn't make it, but you made I it. I almost didn't. I, yeah, I made my flight by a minute or so. They reopened the door for me, so I, I made it. Yeah, and then once I got there, I basically just went to uh, uh, went to registration, got my badge. We ate at uh, Gus's Chicken, and then I went to my first panel, which was controlled chaos the art of tv stunts um and on that panel they had like uh adrian palicki dark phillips of friday night lights and then two a male and a female stunt performer and the moderator was stacy oristano who i guess is also from friday night lights and so that was pretty interesting and entertaining they like would show some clips on the on the tv of like them blocking out stuff and then talk about uh talk about some of the different stunts they've done and and then uh one of the stunt performers she's also an actress so she was talking about like going from being a stunt performer to an actress and basically living two lives at the same time and then finally now it's becoming more accepted for people to do both so like now she can like tell people she's doing both uh, like tell the actors she's also a stunt performer and 
and uh, and vice versa. So it was pretty entertaining. Uh, and they, uh, I mean, some of the questions from the audience were better than others. The person that asks, like, what's the worst, most gruesome thing you've seen happen on set? <laughs> like, that's not really how you <laughs> want to end the conversation. <laughs> so that, uh, that got, uh, that got quickly answered and moved on to, to other questions. Um, and then, <laughs> yeah, what's the, and, what's the, be- what's the best stunt you saw not get completed? That's the, you know, properly. That's the sort of a, a weird question type of thing to ask. Yeah. Like they, they preface it by, Oh, we, we just saw what happened with the maze runner. What's the worst you've seen? Like they're trying to link it to something, but still it wasn't the way to go. Um, and then later that night, I went to the Queen of the South. Uh, they had a the new USA show that starts up, I think, at the end of the month. Uh, they showed the pilot, and then they had like a Q and A with the with the cast and creators of the show. I really enjoyed the pilot. It's a uh, definitely USA is not doing these characters welcome happy go lucky shows anymore. Yes. Like this is a, this is a show about like a woman who becomes like a basically like a drug lord, uh, the head of the whole uh, operation, and then we jump back to see how she got there. Uh, so I, I, I really enjoyed the pilot. I'm looking forward to the show. Um, and the cast was pretty entertaining. The main actress, <laughs> they could ask her one question and she could fill up the entire time answering the question. She, she had a lot to say, but, uh, yeah, I think people will really enjoy that. If, if you like, like the new direction USA has been going, yeah, that's um, right. it's USA network, dark characters wanted, <laughs> <laughs> But that was a that was a, a nice way to end the night. Tried to get into the trivia, or we found out because Queen of the South was going long that the trivia night was a no go at that point. And then we ended up food and everything. But yeah, even if that. yeah, even if we even if we had got out on time, it sounds like the trivia would have already been packed from people that didn't go to the screening. So yeah, didn't uh, didn't do that. Uh, Melissa, our ATX started on Wednesday. Because you flew in on Wednesday yes. as well, too, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so ours started with the the chat over uh, free queso at Chewy's on, on Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> but then went to uh, Thursday. What was your Thursday like as things were getting started? Since you were also there as, as press to do uh, interviews and things as well as, you know, hang out and also go to panels and and everything else. So what did, what was yeah. your Thursday like? I felt like I was, um, like I, I was, uh, wearing three different hats all weekend because I was there for, I was there for both of my jobs plus as a fan. So like there were some things that I went to for one job. There were some things I did for my other job. And then there were some things that I did just because I felt like it and I love it. Um, so on Thursday I went, I, went to the kingdom panel and this is a show that i've seen i've seen most of the first season i haven't quite finished it yet but i do like i do like what i've seen it's kind of an interesting show um a world that i'm not too familiar with which is like mma fighting um but this show is just so much more it's it's like it's the same way that you would say okay you know friday night lights is a show about football it's it's more about the people in that are brought together because of it it just happens to take 
place around yeah. a, a football team. It wasn't, yeah, Friday yeah. Night wasn't about football. It was a family drama, and that's really exactly. what you have with Kingdom. It just happens to be all these people are MMA fighters, or you know, a good portion yeah. of them are, and they yeah, hang out this... at you know training and stuff like that. Yeah, and this family, all, um, there's this family that owns this gym, and it's you know a bunch of the family are fighters. And then there's like, you know, the people that they've met along the years that are kind of like their family. And the episode that they showed, they did not preface it with anything. They didn't say what was, they just said that it was going to be an intense episode. They did not say anything. And it was actually, and it airs this week. So it was, it was an excellent episode. It was so good. But toward the end, um, I would highly, if you are sensitive to certain issues, um, you may want to wait to hear what goes on before you watch the episode, because there was part of it that and nothing, hardly anything ever bothers me. Like I, I can watch TV, um, you know, without it, you know, triggering things in me but this was like there was a scene and I was like oh I can't believe they didn't warn anyone that something like this was coming but also the way it resolved itself um it 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 was handled the scene was handled well I don't want to say too much to give anything away but there was some sensitive subject matter it caught me off guard it caught a lot of people that were sitting around me off guard and so there was it was that, but the panel afterward was was excellent, and they talked about um, the, that specific scene, um, and just kind of you know talking about the the show as a whole, um, how the actual MMA community has given it its seal of approval, and that's something that they weren't sure if it was going to happen. So like the the people in charge of like UFC and that are, you know, they're like, you know, you guys are really representing this world well and all that. So, you know, just kind of hearing about hearing about that, um, about that aspect of it. Um they had most of the cast there. There were um Jonathan Tucker wasn't there. He was in later in the weekend for other things but he wasn't there for that panel um but it was uh it was really good and um if anything i'm going to be catching up on it sooner rather than later as a result of the panel and just how passionate and intense everyone was about it so that was that was really cool for me the the thursday was i went with kyle to pick up his badge and and then we hit uh, you know gus's world famous fried check-in delicious which is great but i had never heard of it before <laughs> until this year so uh but now i'm helping you to, must not you must not live in the world i, know, I don't live in the same world <laughs> as it, but apparently uh, maybe i don't know maybe it was on earth 2 or something that's where it was really popular <laughs> i'm not sure but i could see why they they put that in the name cuz it is it is really good so uh if you ever run across augustus world famous fried chicken stop in it's it's good stuff but uh, i ended up doing uh, the fandom rising going to the fandom rising panel the impact of fan culture in the age of social media uh, which was interesting because it had you know like a uh, hart hansen and uh javier griot marks watch on there uh, as well as uh, karina mckenzie who writes for the the originals and uh dan amboyer from younger and uh, Gus uh, Sor- what well, I can't I don't know, Sor- Sorola, 
uh, from uh, Rooster Teeth, which is uh, you know online uh, YouTube uh, stuff. So they had they had a lot. They had you know an actor. They had people that you know have run shows. Uh, you know, writers on shows and, you know, people that are doing, you know, YouTube's content uh, and shows, shows there, you know, so they had a lot of different uh, perspectives on, you know, how interacting with fans and all of that type of stuff on, uh, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. And then uh, Marshwatch is just uh, a highly entertaining fellow. So, (laughs) and so is Hart Hansen. So anytime they were, I ended up, I think throughout the weekend, I think I saw a couple of different things that had them on it and they're just, they're just entertaining no matter what the topic uh, is. And so, and so that one, uh, that, that one was good. Uh, the only, uh, the only weird, not really weird. I don't know is uh, because he was the writer of the episode of the hundred that brought up the whole fan controversy and this year in the, in the middle of the season, he was the writer of the episode, but not, you know, he's not the showrunner. It's not his show. So he was writing what, you know, what the show, what the show arc had been uh, out for. So he was in the middle of, of, you know, that character getting killed off and, and all of the stuff that came up about that. And so obviously this is, a panel about the, the one of the reasons you have, so you have a guy like that on this panel, cause that's something that, that happened this year. And so you, interesting perspective to, to get from him and others. Uh, but there was one person in the audience that uh, when they started asking questions was had, you know, it was like the first hand, pretty much the first hand to go up, but the second one that the person with the mic saw. So I think she asked the question second and she asked a question about that episode and the show hitting on that trope. And all that stuff. And the question was fine for about half of it. And then she started taking, like, she kept explaining her question and taking little digs and little shots. I, I wish I could remember exact. I mean, I'd probably be, once they post the panel, I'll be able to see exactly what she said. But the way she said something, a lady sitting two down from me went, oh, my God. Like, she <laughs> <laughs> was, was, like, shocked at the way that she, all of a sudden she was asking. Because he knew what she was asking and he was ready to give an answer, but she just needed to say like what she needed to say. And he answered it. He gave, I thought a good answer to it, you know, and was that you're it's, it's past. You're never, I don't know what anybody really wants or whatever, but we're never going to know the who said what, when, where, and why, and how exactly, you know, this took place. But we know now, you know, everybody knows now and, and whatever. And he gave a good answer. And then the next person got the mic. And as that person was asking the person that asked that question, she got up and left. And I was just like, that's so, it's like, I get it. You wanted to ask her question, but she came to that and sat through that to ask her question to him and didn't care anything else about that panel or anybody else's question or anything else that was happening. And I just thought that was so crappy, like sort of a, at the end of what had been a pretty good discussion on the panel. Uh, and some of the other questions that were asked were interesting and stuff too. And, and so there, every once in a while there's, while the panels are still fun and stuff like that, every once in a while there's still something that happens that you're just like, really you sat through this whole thing to ask your 
one question and then you got up and left at that. That was just strange to me from uh, that. So I, I still want to see, I don't even, I didn't go to or, or know exactly what happened, but I want to hear what the barrier tropes. Uh, I'm sure that pan- must've been pan- worse. Yeah. Panel went like, because he was on that too. So I, I really want to see how that one, cause like that was, you know, obviously that was geared to talk about that, you know, that type of stuff. But for the most part, the questions are pretty good from the audience and stuff like that. And so it was, uh, uh, like that, that panel was still entertaining to, to hear like the, the, one of the best stories of the thing was, was, uh, what's his name? Uh, Dan Amboyer from younger, uh, talking about, you know, cause he played the sort of douchey boyfriend on younger and that he was getting mean. He kept, he was saying he got mean tweeted by somebody famous with lots of, with, you know, like, you know, millions of followers or whatever. And, that he had to so much so that he was getting mean tweeted by them that he had to block them. And I think it was uh Marsh watch because it was William Shatner, wasn't it? <laughs> and, <laughs> and he couldn't hide his reaction. His reaction gave it away that that's who it was that he had blocked <laughs> Shatner from mean tweeting him. And then ultimately had to block him on Facebook for the, the same thing because Apparently Shatner was happy that his character got killed off the show or something. Uh, and that he was, and he, you know, he was talking about the different types of things and, you know, the, because of the character, you know, sometimes people don't separate the two, you know, exactly. the from the William Shatner should know. William Shatner and, should know better. And, yeah. William Shatner likes to be a little bit of a, you know, what disturber on Twitter though. I've noticed. <laughs> And so yeah, so that, I just that, that was that was funny, uh, but he was also like he go he was also talking about how people were going, we're glad you're gone, we you know he, your character was terrible, you know you were cheating on blah blah blah, and and he goes and I just wanted to tweet back, but I'm gonna be on next week, <laughs> <laughs> but but it would have been a spoiler, so I couldn't say anything. I had to just sit there, uh, but you know so it, there was you know something that sort of tried to take away from it, even though I thought he gave a really good answer, but then also something that comes out that's just a completely hilarious story that turns out that uh, William Shatner uh, is is sort of a, a pain in the butt on Twitter <laughs> to other actors even, on, uh, which was really funny. And then I did the... I went to the... to the, uh, the what, Queen of the South uh, screening as well. Uh, that was... It's it's an interesting show. There's a couple of little aspects of it that I'm not quite sure about and that are used in the first episode and we'll see how that continues to play out, how that works uh, going forward, how they use it in subsequent episodes. But it definitely it definitely was a different a different take into that world, you know, uh, of uh, you know cartels and and whatnot. And the cast Q&A was pretty good. Uh, yeah, and it was the it was the first time I because last year I didn't they they didn't use the Paramount as much they only mainly used it for like Gilmore Girls and the opening night thing and I didn't make the opening night thing last year so it it was also cool for me because it was the first time I got to go into the Paramount theater and see like literally what it looked like and it looks smaller than it actually is partially because it has the uh, there's a big balcony and stuff like that up top as well. Uh, that seats a lot of people too, uh, but it you know it really is that sort of old time. 
I wish you could get like some sort of special pass to like the box seats, the old box seats type things off to the sides of the stage. That would be a cool place to sit for uh, some of the Q and A's and stuff like that in there. Uh, but that w- that was also for me on Thursday. That was cool to actually finally get in and see what that old theater looks like. I did the red carpet, but I didn't go into the screening. I wasn't able to go into the screening. Um, the show itself, would you say it's a little more like a Narcos or more like a Weeds or something completely different from those? Because I think women running a drug, you know, yeah, it's, running drugs. It's uh, <laughs> it's not a Weeds. Yeah, there's no, weeds, uh, there's no not, fewer. It's not really going for not... the comedy aspect of it, really. Uh, okay. It's, it's probably not exactly... Uh, you know, Narcos, but cl- maybe closer to that. Okay, cool. But, you know, regular cable you know, version. <laughs> Versus, yeah, like Netflix. <laughs> but yeah, but they're, but definitely going for darker characters and darker story arc and, and whatnot. Yeah, so yeah, definitely definitely not going for the more comedic aspect of like Weeds or something like that. So it's it's more of a rise to power story where you see somebody start from nothing and how different events happen in her life uh, that she ended up being the head of that cartel, you know, some years later. And, uh, and so that's, that's a, a story, a story with a female lead of a cartel is not, you know, is, is not something you see every day anyways. But so this one, you have one that you're seeing how it, how it happens too. So that's a, I think there's there's probably something there. I'm gonna give it a couple more episodes to see like uh, where it goes and if the if the couple little things if they continue to bother me as much as as it goes forward. We'll see how they use those things. Uh so uh that was Thursday for uh for panels and and whatnot. Uh Kyle, how about you on on Friday? What did you do and what was you know, what was sort of the highlight of, of the Friday? Yeah, so my Friday, I I went to so many panels on Friday. Um, I, I started off with like the New American TV family, which was uh, it had the creators, uh, it had um, Norman Lear and the creators of Fresh Off the Boat, The Real O'Neills, Everybody Loves Raymond, and State of Grace. And it was supposed to be about like TV families and things like that. And while they talked about that it was it became more just a general conversation about tv and what they liked to watch and just a general conversation but i mean these people are great so i I don't care what they're talking about i like phil rosenthal was hilarious um and then norman lear like he didn't know what was going on part of the time but like they like you could tell everyone was like just so honored to be in the same room as that guy so like it, it was just a very entertaining panel. After that, I went to the pitch. Uh, uh, it's a new Fox show that's coming this um, this fall. It's called Pitch. Uh, so they showed the pilot, and then they had the executive producer, creator, and then stars Kylie Bunbury and Mark Paul Gosselaar uh, there to talk about the show. And like, I, I really enjoyed the pilot. Uh, it's, it's basically about uh, the first woman that becomes like a uh major league baseball pitcher and so um they they showed us the episode and then they they talked about it um 
uh, like some of the questions, I, I mean, you definitely had people that were thinking about this. I'm not a baseball person, but I really enjoyed the episode. But like someone's like, oh, they're in the National League. That means you have to bat. So then they were asking her like how she like if she's going to bat because she didn't bat in the pilot. But uh, they were asking about learning how to play baseball and learning how to bat and and just uh all those type of questions and they were talking about how they're going to have they how they have to balance using like baseball stuff and then just concentrating on their home lives because it's expensive to shoot uh in a stadium and and shoot uh all this baseball stuff and they also talked about how they really wanted to use like a real team like it's they're using the san diego padres that's the team that they're a part of. So they wanted to use like a real team and not just make up some fake team. So they talked about that a bit as well. Um, and then after that, um, I, I basically was in and out of the, uh, out of the Alamo Ritz like all day for the next panels. Cause then it was a superstar panel, which was the one I was really looking forward that day. They had the entire cast there, America Ferreira, Ben Feldman, Lauren Ash, Colton Dunn, Nico Santos, Nicole Bloom, and Mark McKinney, along with the creator of the show. And that was just a lot of fun. They showed, re-showed the season finale, and then they all just uh, were having a blast talking, basically making a lot of fun of Ben Feldman's T-shirt or a shirt that he was wearing and they're giving it all kinds of names like the Toucan Sam puked on it. You lost a paintball bet. You can see it. They basically wanted people to hashtag Ben's ugly shirt and tweet that out. <laughs> <laughs> so that, that was a lot of fun, that panel. Um, and they also let out some scoops that in August there was going to be a special Olympics themed episode. And then when it returns in September, it'll be picking up right at the same moment where they left off at the finale. So it doesn't even miss a beat. Although one of the actors said, "But I will magically lose six pounds between the in that one minute in between the episodes." Uh, but they were a lot of fun. And then after that, I had gone into the younger panel, um, which they showed us uh, the. What did they show us? They showed us the they re-showed us the season finale. And then uh, they had some of the cast there. They had Sutton Foster, Debbie Mazur, Miriam Shore, Nico Tortorella, Molly Bernard, Peter Herman, and Dan Amboyer. Uh, and they the only person missing, I think, was uh, Haley Duff. And so they were talking a lot about um about the whole Chad Thad thing and um, and also what we what we can expect uh, sort of in the um, in the in the next season and they were talking about how people will no longer see Haley Duff as um, whatever her character is there uh, not Hannah Montana whatever her, her... Hillary Duff. <laughs> Or Hillary Duff, yeah. Lizzie McGuire. Lizzie McGuire, yeah. They said she. you will no longer think of her as the innocent Lizzie McGuire because now that she'll, she, her character has to start dating and and getting back out there. So they said uh, that'll be interesting uh, to see the reactions to that. Um, and then after that, I had jumped on a bus to go over to the Friday Night Lights tailgate, uh, which we can talk about some more afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, leading up to the tailgate, what did what did you do, Melissa, on on Friday? Friday was 
actually my busiest day. Um, I, and it was like, I was doing interviews, but I was also doing, like, I went to some panels. I was at the new American TV panel, which I really enjoyed. I mean, getting to listen to Norman Lear talk and just everyone seeing all of these showrunners and creators who were influenced, like they're very clearly, they were influenced by his work. And also what I thought was really interesting that they brought up in that panel is how all of the, you know, kind of accomplishments that Norman Lear series in like the seventies and all that did, um, you know, bringing diversity to the screen and all that. And then all of a sudden that went away for a long time. So, you know, how they started to make strides in that arena and then for a long time it went away and now there's this resurgence of, you know, shows like Fresh Off the Boat and um, uh, what oh the real O'Neill, like showing more diverse families and stuff like that. So I thought that was really cool. And also talking about the One Day at a Time remake that's being done for Netflix, which with a Latino family. So I just thought that was all kind of fascinating. And then um, I, I went to the Rescue Me reunion, which is one of my all-time favorite series. The series finale of that show, I think, is one of the best that I've ever seen. I, I enjoyed it so much. Um, so going to that, you know, the having all the cast there and, well, a lot of the cast. There were very few who were missing, um, plus some of the, the creative the creative team behind it that was that was really cool it it's funny though like that's a show where you don't need a moderate well you kind of should have a moderator to keep <laughs> everyone in check but at the same time when you just let them run with it it's so entertaining because every single person on that panel was hysterical and also having someone on it um Tatum O'Neill was there who I mean, someone I grew up watching in film who kind of had this larger than life persona and was all over the tabloids when I was a kid. And, you know, you know, this crazy life that she led, like as a former child star and all that and having her on that stage and talking about because she wasn't a regular part of the series. Like she was, she had a recurring role and in some seasons she had a bigger role in it than others. And I don't think it was, I think it was like season three before she even made her first appearance, but just her saying that this was the project that she enjoyed being a part of the most. Like it was just, it just added something a little extra to it. Like everyone on that stage, they all clearly like each other. They still love to like rip on each other. It was just, I mean, you put Dennis Leary on any stage and you're going to be entertained, but it was, it was, you just need a, a, a language warning. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine with the language. I mean, Dennis Leary was my road trip soundtrack for most of my life. So I I'm fully prepared for that. But that was a show that I just it was um, it just really encapsulated this time in the world. I mean, I'm not an American, so I can't speak as an American. But as someone who grew, who's grown up so close to the U.S. and has a lot of friends in the U.S. and in a lot of cases in Canada, we hear more about what's going on in the U.S. than we do in our own country. Um, you know, kind of the whole post 9-11 and dealing with you know, recovering from from that event and how it affected the, the U.S. and how it affected the entire world. And these people who were on the front lines um, the day that it happened, you know, kind of how 
the guilt if you were the one who survived and all of that kind of stuff like this responsibility that you that you felt it was just one of those shows that really encapsulated all of that and you know gave this perspective um and handled it like some of this family the the main family in the show is so flawed and so imperfect but and there were scenes that were always so difficult to watch but you know that's kind of what families are like there it was it was just and they were talking about that was you know like this was a real family these people didn't always like each other you know the there are horrible things that happen it gets dark and uh yeah so that was that was a definite highlight um i i got to i didn't get to see the pitch panel or the superstore panel but i got to interview both of those um well the two leads from pitch and then uh the entire superstore cast which was just thrilling and so exciting and they were they were talking about that olympics episode that actually in terms of the timeline it takes place at some point in the timeline during what happened in season one so um like the Cole bloom's character will still be pregnant in it and everything so um super exciting also as someone who grew up watching kids in the hall getting to talk to mark mckinney um life goal crossed off my list it was amazing um and then after that i i ended up at the fnl tailgate which was probably one of the best things i've ever gone to in my life so yeah, we uh, we all ended up going to the to the Friday Night Lights tailgate and pep rally outdoor screening, but this year they've done you know some smaller versions that have sort of been taking place at the same time as the festival, but not necessarily officially part of the festival uh, type of thing as has happened on the Friday of the festival every year, uh, but this year it sort of got incorporated in and became part of a thing where uh, they bust everybody out to the field where they actually filmed you know a lot of the football scenes and stuff uh, for the show as well as where the you know the field house with the uh, the lockers and uh, all of that stuff was for the where they filmed a lot of the stuff for the team so we got to all get on school buses and get bussed out to the field. So it was very much like you were heading out for like a road game type of thing. And, uh, but then you got there and you got to go through the, uh, the, you know, everybody was going through the field house. It was open to the public, but you could get in like an hour early with your, with your ATX badge. So you could get in and you could walk through with a, a few less people. I wanted to just stay in there because they actually had the AC on in the locker room section of that of the field house. I could have just stayed in there and took pictures for an hour uh, until uh, that that would have been good. But that was uh, that was fun. Everybody wanted to make sure they got uh, uh, their picture taken with the P on the way out. Uh, that everybody you know that the players would touch on the way out of the locker room and uh, and so that w- that was interesting because it, it's always it's always cool to see like set pieces and stuff like that. And so to see the, the real life buildings and stuff like that, that they actually used and the, and even though the field was no longer in use and is basically had been sitting there, they said basically for five years and just had overgrown. And, and so they, you know, they had to get the field all cut and stuff like that to be able to, 
to host the outdoor screening on the actual field, but like the bleachers, like, uh, you know, all the seats were gone. There were no, there were no bleachers. There was just the concrete where they used to, they used to be attached. And, uh, so we went there and basically baked in the sun for four hours while we waited for it to get dark. Uh, and, uh, they had some food trucks out there. They had bands playing. Crucifixorious! Including a set. Uh, which I was actually bummed that they actually came out while I was in line on the other side of the field to get food. But by then I was like, well, I'm not getting out of this line now to go back to if you could still hear them. But, uh, so yeah, that was, that was cool. They had, uh, you know, multiple bands playing, including Crucifictorious and just, you know, the field just kept filling up and filling up and, and filling up that, uh, it had to have been, it had to have been a good half of the field at least was covered with you know people sitting on the field on blankets or chairs and and whatnot getting ready to watch an episode from season five uh, that they that they played Uh, but they also had like southwest was giving away like full hearts hats with also had the southwest logo on the side but mainly i went and stood in line because they were also giving away free cans of their water (laughs) they were cold (laughs) Uh, stuff like that. It was uh, saw some different people, uh, like uh, Emma Loggins from Fanbolt, and some other people. You know, just sort of ran into and you'd talk to for a bit. And and if if you were there and you're wondering who the guy just standing behind the screen was off to the right for a while, uh, that was me because it was the only shady spot on the field. The giant screen made for a nice shady spot behind. So uh, that's where, that's where I was standing. So as not to get just absolutely burnt uh, to a crisp because while it had been not exactly cooler, but it had been more overcast at times that night, it was relatively clear most of the time that day and uh, in the low nineties. So it was just standing in direct sunlight out in a big open field but you know everybody's got their Friday night lights shirts on and hats and and everything and then once it finally started to get dark a little bit then they had the uh a a really sizable amount of the cast uh sh- you know had shown had shown up and they did a little bit of a and a with the uh with the with the cast including uh, including Mrs. Coach Okay. The queen yes, coming out uh, as the as the last one, but they had you know from from small characters to you know major characters on the show. They had I don't know what was there like twenty five or so of them, maybe more that they had uh, that they had. Well, basically, the people that weren't there that could have possibly been there were all doing some big race. Um, there was the Spartan race on the weekend. So that's where, um, uh, like, oh, what's his name? Zach Guilford and all that. Those people were at, were at this, were doing this race instead. Yeah, but they had, you know, they had all the, you know, a lot of, a lot of the recognizable faces. And then some of the, some of the people were like, wait, who's that? Until they actually said who they played uh, in some cases. Uh, So that was but that was pretty cool just to see them come out and thank, you know, thank the fans uh, and, uh, you know, and briefly talk about some of the memories of out there 
in pads and stuff like that in the heat filming episodes uh, for the football scenes and all, all that stuff. And that was, that was really good. And then they, once it finally got dark, they started playing the episode. And uh, uh, that's actually when Kyle and I left because that's also when the mosquitoes came out and I was getting eaten alive. So I didn't stay around for the, the whole episode. Uh, Although I think it may have been good got out before because all I kept thinking is there's a lot of people here. (laughs) It's going to be a really long line to get on one of the buses at the end of the night. It wasn't actually that bad. And the only reason it took as long as it did for us is that the last bus um, was broken down, but it only took them. uh, It was about 14 minutes before a replacement was there for us. So it really was not that long at all. They they had it. They had that. That was probably one of the lines that ran most efficiently all weekend. (laughs) So, Kyle, as somebody that never watched Friday Night Lights, what was your experience of hanging out on a football field? I was kind of bored. Well, I I wasn't there that long because I had I had gone to the. um, That's the right. younger panel, so I show up later. I, I never made it into the, the field house. That might have been interesting, although I only watched the first season, so I don't even remember really much of the show. You could have got your picture taken with the P, Kyle, with the P. I wouldn't even known that that was <laughs> what I was supposed to do. <laughs> like, you, you were telling me those stories. I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like, people touching some wall before they, they leave. But, yeah, I mean, to me, like, I only went there because it was the only thing going on at that time. Otherwise, <laughs> I I would have skipped it. Yeah, it's like, that's where everybody else was going. So so how about you, Melissa? What You said it was one of your, one of the, the better experiences of, of the whole weekend. So... How was of my it? life, <laughs> of my life. How was it? How was it for I feel you? So bad for do, for not liking it. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was. I I have to admit, I got a little emotional at times. I the first thing I did was I went through the field house. Well, just pulling up to there, and I I caught sight of it, and I'm like, oh my god. And then I went I went through the field house and it took a little while. And I don't know where this air conditioning was you were talking about. There were some fans in the one room, but depending where you were in the line to take your picture, it, it was not reaching there. It was like an oven in that building, but totally worth it. Um, and then just, you know, being there for... Um, uh, you know, for the everything leading up to the screening, the concert, you know, when they brought everyone out at the end. And I, I really liked how they paired them up with the um, the actual Texas team. That's the Panthers. It's not the Dillon Panthers. I can't remember the name of the town. So some of the cast was escorted out by one of the players. So they had the player introduce themselves and say, you know, what their position is on the team and all that. And then they'd introduce the cast member. I thought that was kind of a a really neat, you know, kind of full circle, you know, touch to it. Um, I was like right up in front of the stage when they brought Connie Burton and I was like, oh, my God, Um, I am. I I adore Connie Burton. So uh, that was that was pretty awesome. Um, The episode that they picked was um, was a good one, but it's it was a tearjerker. And um, I think the. 
that there were a lot of tears on the field, even though I'm sure a lot of these people have watched this episode numerous times, it's still a powerful episode. But I think probably one of the best things was, was just before the screening started, they had everyone on that was on the stage lead the chant, the clear eyes, full hearts can't lose. Oh my God, I'm choking up thinking about it. It was just like... Think of something that you think of an like as as a fan of television, someone who's loved television her entire life, and this is one of my all time favorite shows. Um, you you never think that something like that is going to happen. Um, so it was just surreal and wonderful, and it it probably couldn't have been a better a better evening um, for for me and something I'm still going to be thinking about years and years later. Yeah, it was, it was, it was still fun. It was, it was a, a fun thing to, to do in that sort of big style with, you know, everything around it being that Austin and Friday night lights are so, so much a part of, you know, everything and have been, you know, kind of part of the, the TV festival uh, the whole time. And, and especially since, you know, now a lot of, a lot of the actors from that show are like the, you know, the actor ambassadors for the festival. And so there's, there's a lot of, of that all tied together. And so that, that made it a lot of fun. I wanted to briefly say, I sort of skipped over what I did on Friday, but I did the critics tweets, which was, you know, Alan Sepinwall, Dan Feinberg, uh, Libby Hill. Why am I, uh, who am I forgetting Kyle? (laughs) Do you say Sepinwall? Yes. Oh, um, Tim Goodman? Yeah, Tim Goodman and come on, Kyle, this is the reason you didn't go to the panel. Oh, I think you already sent him, Todd Vanderwerf. No, I did yeah. say Todd Vanderwerf. Todd oh. Vanderwerf was they were all talking about, you know, tweeting and various things of around being a critic. Uh I went it was it was interesting, but it was one of the panels that uh partially because they never nobody they didn't tell like one of them to be the moderator or they didn't have a moderator for them. Uh, that they never really exactly covered what the said they were going to cover, you know, type of thing. Uh, and so that was uh, the same thing happened with the development executives uh, where business meets creative. Uh, they had a moderator, but they didn't exactly talk about where the business meets creative. Like I thought you would hear more about the business side. It was more about how to pitch and different pitches that they had seen and, and weird things that had happened during pitches and stuff. And it all was entertaining and interesting, but not exactly uh, maybe about half of what you thought the panel was going to be about. was It was actually about that. Uh, and then breaking story uh, inside the writer's room. That one was really, that one was one of the most entertaining panels of the weekend. Uh, just why you didn't totally get like from script to, like uh you know an uh, from idea to script or you know i exactly that process the people that were on it uh with Anna Frick from Being Human and Liz Tigler who did Life Unexpected and then Hart Hansen who i said already was uh, uh funny John Worth from Hell on Wheels and Scott Rosenbaum from The Shield a lot of them were funny and Liz Tigler is hilarious and has no filter so that always makes for an interesting panel uh, when you have somebody up like that. And so that one was, uh, for the first two days, 
At least that was one of the most uh, entertaining panels. And so even sometimes when things don't work out to be the exact thing that you thought it was going to be, it still ends up being highly entertaining and worth having gone and sat through, uh, which is uh, what happens with a, a lot of these things. Uh, but we'll move on to to our uh, Saturdays. And Kyle, what did you uh, what did you do on Saturday besides sit in the front row for life in pieces? <laughs> Uh, Saturday was just as packed for me uh, as Friday. So, yeah, I started with Life in Pieces where I sat in the front row. That was a really entertaining panel. They had um, the creator, Justin Adler, as well as the cast members, Angelique Cabral and Thomas Sadowski. Uh, And so they were hilarious playing off of one another. Um, Just like you felt like like just like you were watching their characters talk because like they had such good chemistry with one another. Uh, just tell them all kinds of stories about working on the show. Um, that was really entertaining. Uh, and then after that, I had gone to the West wing administration. I thought that thing was going to be so packed, but I think the fast pass line was like four times longer than the regular entry line. So, I mean, I got like number hundred or something in the regular entry line. I easily got in. I was front row, but on the balcony, but still it was a really good seat. Like I could see, (laughs) I could see everything Uh, that they had tons of cast members. um, Bradley Whitford, Dulé Hill, uh, Josh Molina, Richard Schiff, and some other people as well. I didn't really watch the show. I've only seen two episodes, but I, I thought it was uh, still an interesting panel to watch. It it sort of devolved into the Aaron Sorkin hour, but like it was still there, there was still some interesting stuff, at least for someone who didn't necessarily know what all the characters who all these characters were, but they also spent a lot of time just making fun of Josh Molina uh, at the panel. All the others were picking. I think I was sitting next to the guy that was filming it for Josh Molina's podcast because he all, when I sat down, he's like, Oh yeah, I got permission to record this for one of the panelists. And he didn't say who, but who else could it be? (laughs) Like when then Josh Molina said later, Oh, we're recording this for my podcast. So I'm guessing that's, what it was. Um, and then afterwards, uh, I got a photo with Josh Molina in the <laughs> lobby of the, of the hotel. Uh, and then I headed to the big script reading, which was one of the things I was really looking forward to that day. So basically uh, it was a script written by Kevin Beagle and Mike Royce uh, that never got produced. So what they did was I brought in a whole bunch of people to read this script to us and so first they talked a little bit about um why the script didn't get made or what the process was and then why it it never got made and how it got passed on but uh the cast who who read the parts were ben feldman may whitman michael ian black anna ortiz patrick j adams dule hill colton dunn and angelique cabral so it was like such a great cast i i granted you would never cast these people because like uh ben feldman and and colton dunn were doing and may whitman are all doing like these 11 year old voices but it was like really fun watching them do these like i really enjoyed the show i wish they had actually made the show um it was a lot like the movie uh in some respects like they make a wish but in this like all three kids made a wish and like you don't necessarily know what like may whitman's wishes she made were like that was going to be revealed throughout the throughout the series like they're hoping to do this as like a anthology series where like the first season they'd all wish for something and then maybe they have new kids maybe they do 
like uh, the same kids, but they wish for something else the next season. I mean, Colton Dunn's character wishes for cake pops. So, I mean, that's like not really. It's kind of a throwaway wish, but he's really excited about him. It was just a lot of fun to watch. Um, and then after that, I ran outside, ran back in line. I just made it into the Unreal panel, um, which was a lot of, which was another interesting panel. They, they just had the, uh, executive producer, the creator, and then two of the cast members. Um, I don't know their names offhand. It was the, uh, the girl who plays the like mousy young assistant. And then the, the guy, the, the African-American guy who plays like the other like producer who keeps getting passed over for, for promotions and things. Who's, who's like Rachel's, I guess frenemy i don't know like <laughs> not really like they're they're friends so called but they each have their own agendas but that they showed us uh the second episode which it was a couple days before it was actually going to air and then they talked about that episode and uh that was another interesting conversation and then after that it was another big highlight for me the ugly betty 10-year reunion uh, that was so entertaining. Like they had pretty much every cast member except for Becky Newton because she wasn't feeling well, so she didn't show up. But they had the stage all made out to look like they had the entrance, like the mode circular entrance, and everyone came out and did like their catwalk type of entrance on, onto the stage. And then they had two big couches. One on the left had all the Suarez family and the creator of the show, and the one on the right had all of the mode related people. And um, like the cast was just really fun to listen to. They all did like impressions of like their smoking uh, wardrobe person. Um, and then they just did all kinds of stories about like the impact the show had for them. And of course, they came up like, oh, it's all streaming on Hulu. Let's start a hashtag for bring back Ugly Betty back. And so they were talking about that. I was really impressed with America Ferrera. Like like they were saying, like they didn't know who, what reunion to do this year. They contacted her and she had the entire cast emailed and confirmed like within 20 minutes of doing it so if anyone can get this hulu to <laughs> to pick this up i think she has the power to to get this done so i i think that would be really interesting if they if they did find a way to to bring it back but that was uh, that was an excellent panel and then uh then after that was our podcast meetup at the uh frank restaurant yeah that was uh uh, that that was good. My day, my day started out with uh, the life in pieces as well, and then I think one of the highlights being the uh, the West Wing administration. That was that was cool to hear some of the stories behind you know the show, and and then to see the interaction between all the cast members, and then everybody just piling on Josh Molina <laughs> uh, just became like the thing to do. It was it was really funny and entertaining to hear, uh, you know, them talk about, you know, the show and you know, and going back and seeing, you know, they showed like a, the, not the opening opening, but one of the opening scenes from the you know the pilot episode, and it which gives you a really good look at like oh yeah that's what the show was like, uh, a lot of the times and. I don't know. It's just really interesting for me as, as a show that I actually did watch all the way through to see them, you know, talk about uh, as well. That, that one of the things about this festival that I like so much is that they do stuff like this, where you know they had the Ugly Betty panel and they had the West Wing, uh, you know, cast reunions and you know the Rescue Me. They had a lot of pretty solid 
cast reunions at this year's festival. Like, yeah, like last year was like you know there was like Gilmore Girls, but this year there was like a lot of a lot of them over the course of the weekend where different shows had you know. But then they do you know the the small shows and and things like that. But that was uh, that was really. That was really good, and since there was like nothing else, they started a little bit late, but there was you know nothing else after, and they nobody was really like giving them like a hard out. They kind of just kept going, and they and with the audience questions and stuff, and and partially because Aaron Sarkin never met a question that he couldn't answer <laughs> in ten minutes that you could answer in one, you know, type of thing. But it also made it really interesting to listen to the answers. Uh. But it, it that panel ended up going you know two hours instead of instead of the the ninety minutes it was scheduled for, and since they only had you know a little bit of video and stuff like that and introductions, they weren't playing an episode in that period of time. It was all Q and A uh, with that large cast, and so it ended up being really good. And so that that was that was probably one of the you know the bigger highlights for me of the the weekend. Then I did the uh, short and sweet. Uh, where they had a bunch of people that had uh, like Hart Hansen, uh, you know, because of Backstrom, uh, Ted Griffin because of Terriers, and uh, Javier Grillo Marshwatch because of the Middleman, and Kevin Falls from Journeyman, talking about having shows that uh, are beloved now, but nobody watched then, uh, but uh, and what it was like, and it became sort of this uh, almost. Uh, like going to your going to like seeing their a therapy session for for showrunners yeah. with with one season shows. Uh, as your show was good. They, yeah. The audience loved you. It was it was very. But but again, with Hart Hansen and Marswatch on the panel, they're all. And then Ted Griffin turns out to be almost maybe the most neurotic of all of them. Maybe I don't know. It was it was quite it was quite entertaining. Uh, that one too to to listen to them uh, to them talk. But then that's one of those panels that I like that they had they had people there for other things, and then they kind of all team because they did a Terriers panel on the Sunday, which I'll talk about later, and things like. And they had you know Marshwatch there for other things uh, as well, and they see these other things, and they're like, oh wait, we could actually. It's like they they start working towards these certain types of things and then they see who they have there. And then they're like, Oh, we could also pair these people up for this type of a panel and, you know, move, put these people together. And so they end up creating some interesting panels uh, at the, at, at ATX that, that you don't, you you don't see uh, a lot of stuff is always completely a lot of times, you know, show specific, uh, you know, panels. Uh, So I like a lot of these panels where they, group writers together to talk about writing or all of these types of things. Uh, and then I went to the unreal, uh, one as well, where they showed the episode, which was uh, just as entertaining the second time since I'd already seen it. Uh, but I was also glad to see that because the, it just kept listing that they had the two, you know, like the creator and the other, you know, writer, executive producer. Uh, I was glad when they actually, when I saw that there was multiple mics up there, I was like, Oh, they're going to actually have some cast. So it was cool to hear from, a couple of the cast members that they had, uh, which was uh, uh, Jeffrey Bauer uh, Chapman and uh, is it Genevieve? Yeah, Genevieve. I'm not sure how you pronounce her last name. Is it Buckner or 
It might be it might be Buckner. Yeah, Buckner or Buchner or whatever. But yeah, so you had the basically you had the who played Madison and Jay uh, on the show, and so you got to hear uh, from the actors' side of things too some of the stories and things that they not just from the you know the the writers of the show, and so but it was interesting to hear you know some of the behind the scenes and where they were going with it. And uh, we'll, we're going to talk more about that episode uh, a little bit later when we get to the uh, primetime segment, uh, since there's, you know, a certain thing that happens at the end of the episode that people in the audience seem to all be clapping at the end of the episode. And all were, but you were wondering how much of that was just super excited to be there and that they were going to bring out some of the cast and the actors, because there's also seems to be a development that people don't particularly care for at the, at the end of it. But we'll talk about that more later. How was your, how was your Friday, Melissa? Or my Saturday, yeah, Saturday. Um, After a while you start to lose track. Of which day <laughs> is I actually have my schedule in front of me so I can remember where I was on what day. <laughs> so I totally get it. Um, Saturday was not a crazy busy day for me. Thank goodness. Um, but what I did do was kind of, longer things so I went to the life in pieces panel which was a really high priority for me um I loved that show and I I just loved the the chemistry that um Angelique and and Thomas have together on and off screen so um re-watching the season finale was great and just hearing them talk about the show and um I chatted briefly afterward with with uh, Justin Adler and just, you know, kind of about the show itself, because the thing that really, really struck me about this show, like a lot of friends who aren't as invested in television, when I was like, oh, have you seen this? They're like, why would I watch another? Why would I watch that when I already watch Modern Family? And I'm like, well, because these characters are actually relatable. So that that was one thing I, I said to Just Nadler. I'm like, thank you for creating a family comedy with characters and not caricatures. Um, and it just, it, it seemed like everyone in that audience was just so excited to, to be in there. I mean, I don't think it was a absolutely packed house, but there were quite a few people in there um, on the Saturday morning, considering some of the other programming that was going on at the same time. But that was like the perfect start to the day. Um, and then I ended up going to the Shield Writers Room reunion, which was that's another one of my one of my top shows of all time. And seeing these this this group of people, I mean, everyone that was there for the panel was all the male the male um, writers. Uh, but there were some women on the cast that just couldn't be there. So they made a point of mentioning that. They're like, if you look at it up here, it's like, hey, we're a bunch of white dudes. Um, but they're like, no, we actually had, you know, um, considering the type of show it was, they did have a fairly, they did have a fairly um, a, a, a well-represented writer's room. Like they said, it was, it, and it was an environment, like just hearing about the environment and for someone like Kurt Sutter, who this was like his first, like his first show. Um, and, you know, the people that intimidated him initially and how he thought Glenn Mazzara hated him. <laughs> like just all this stuff. It was, it was kind of like you were eavesdropping on, you know, this conversation with these people that, um, that, uh, 
created the show and just them talking about different things and certain like certain things that were shocking that happened in in the series um it just makes me want to go back and watch it again and just everyone who's on that show who has gone on to such phenomenal like such phenomenal things plus someone who came into the show while it was in progress that had all of these like really huge credits chick eggley who you know was on saint elsewhere and all kind on moonlighting and stuff like that and him talking about coming into this room and how it was different from the other things that he had like won emmys for and everything so it was it was a really it was a really really cool thing to be at um there was definitely you could feel the the respect and love between all of these writers it was just basically like a a writer's love fest and it was it was great and then I um I got to chat with the uh, creators of Dead of Summer which is one of the new freeform shows that's kind of a they they're calling it kind of like a John Hughes meets John Carpenter um it's a it's <laughs> set in night it's a good yeah <laughs> yeah they're like because some people are like oh is it like us is it like a slasher movie or is it like scream and they're like no it's kind of more like the shining if anything um and it's it's a creepy it's kind of a creepy show i've seen the first episode so um i got to talk with uh it was eddie kitsitz and adam horowitz and the other name that is totally escaping me right now, but, you know, just kind of talking about what this show's going to be, um, not giving away any, like, because they, they kind of wanted to stay a little more neutral without giving stuff away. But there, the plan is that this show is going to be an anthology series where every season um, is going to be a different year in the camp in the camp that this show is centered on. So the first one just happens to be 1989. And then just talking about why they chose 1989 was, was rather interesting because it was kind of like, um, it was a, a year when things were, there were a lot of things in flux that year. And also the characters, the age that they're at, where they're going from, you know, being teens to young adults and like, or like younger adults and that. So it was, it was just kind of, I, I I wasn't initially all that impressed with the first episode and then watching it after talking with them, I can see some of the subtleties they were going for a little better. So that that was kind of cool. And then um, I got to chat with the Unreal, the Unreal crew that was there and they were talking about um, that episode that just aired and uh, just some other things that are set in motion and, you know, where the line is and who's willing to cross the line and who the the line like of what's appropriate and inappropriate who it just doesn't exist for and stuff like that and also you know just talking about you know feminism and stuff like that um it was it was a really really good conversation um and of course the ugly betty closing night um i got to do the red carpet for that which was a lot of fun and just chatting with these people who still have so much love for one another and so much love for the show and what it meant to them um I just watched Ugly Betty in the past month and was charmed by it. I fell in love with it. It's such a great show. It has so much heart and such a great cast and that's all so eager to, to get back together and do things. So I kind of hope her uh, the little uh, Twitter 
campaign that they set in motion for Hulu to to do something. I, I want to see where all these people are. And that was like one of the questions everyone was getting was like, so where do you think your character would be now and all that kind of stuff. So um, it was a it was a really, really good, a really good reunion. And yeah, another situation where you can just see the love like between all these people um, and how you know, family on screen became family off screen. So that was, that was a definite highlight of the weekend. Yeah. And then we all ended up at Frank at various times. uh, Yeah. The TV podcasters meetup, which was cool because, and ended up being, I don't know, there was probably like 15 or so. I, so many that where I got stuck on the other side of the table, I didn't get actually get a chance to meet everybody that showed up, you know, to the, to the meetup. So, that was that was cool because of those that I did get to you know did get to meet was you know did uh, get to meet a couple of the guys from uh, the TV dudes podcast you know are from Austin and were out and about last year but never you know I never ran into them anywhere last year and so uh, then got to chat with you know Mike and Nate from uh, the TVI podcast and uh, Mike's doing the Mr. Robot podcast for Mr. Robot now and we'll be doing that for the, he's doing that for the first season now and then he'll continue on in the summer when the second season premieres uh, getting a chance to uh, talk to them uh, uh, met you know some other some other people uh, the couple that do the uh, what is it it was the pilot watching uh, podcast where they just pick a show and watch the pilot of it and then talk about whether if they would have seen that, whether they would have picked the show up or what, you know, things like that. And then, it, but in the context of where that, you know, where did that show actually go? Uh, how many, you know, seasons it ran and stuff. And so, you know, there's all different ideas around there out there with the, uh, in the, in podcasting and whatnot. And so those were, those were mainly the ones that, that I got a chance to meet. There were some others that showed up that, uh, who did you get to talk to that you hadn't uh, met before there, Melissa? Well, I finally got to meet Mike and Nate in person. Um, I've, I've chatted with Mike several times online. So, you know, I got to meet them too. And then I met the, uh, the TV dudes, um, the TV dudes people, and also the, um, the, the pilot one, the pilot watch one. So I, all of the names are escaping me because at that point it was like I'd been three hours on the red <laughs> carpet, followed by however long that that reunion was. So yeah, that, at the end, that red that was and it was hot standing out there um, where you were standing. <laughs> yeah, I was, and I was in the spot that was right by the door, so I, I had it the easiest. Every time and I somebody still went felt in, terrible. Exactly. <laughs> And then when they started the red carpet, they just left the door open so I could feel a bit of a breeze. But by the time I got to Frank, I was almost dehydrated and so hungry because I hadn't eaten in about 10 hours. (laughs) So um, forgive me if I don't remember your names, but I I remember the faces and I remember who they were with. So um, super, super awesome group of people. Um, doing some really, really cool stuff. And um, the podcaster community is just, it's good people. It's really good people. How about you, Kyle? 
Yeah, I got there super late. <laughs> I, <laughs> I think all I end the only people I ended up meeting, I think, were Mike and Nate, who I already had met last year, and then um, the TV dudes very briefly. I think I met them one at a time. They each but they each they didn't say I'm the TV dude. <laughs> they both <laughs> introduced themselves as TV dudes. Where I was sitting, and then I was sitting in the booth, and the tables were sort of split. But then everything got pushed together, and so now I was sitting on the other side of the table in the middle. But there was, like, next to me there was somebody, but then there was sort of, like, a little thing jutting out from the wall before the booth, like, continued down the other. So you couldn't really see who was sitting down the rest of the booth from you on that side. And then everybody else on the other side of the table on that side, you know, they were talking to those people, and it was hard to... And and so I got stuck in the middle, and then when... Some people finally moved, and then I got out. By then, I drank so much iced tea there <laughs> that I went down to the back downstairs to the restroom. When I came back up, some people had left, and so I didn't get, <laughs> that I didn't get it. They were over there that I didn't get a chance to meet. So, but it was still pretty cool that you know there was like uh, ten or so people on the on the invite list or whatever that said that they were coming, and then there were some others that also showed up too. So that was uh, that that was pretty cool. Uh, which, uh, as as Mike and I were talking at the end, is it was the that was the first annual. We'll do it again next year uh, at ATX and uh, see if we can spread the word a little a little more. Because even the 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 earlier in the day when Kyle and I got our picture with Josh Molina, I invited him to the TV podcaster meetup because he has a TV podcast. I was shocked he didn't show up. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Hey, you never know. It's in that environment. Yeah. The worst you can say is no. That's right. <laughs> he wasn't going to come if I didn't ask. So, yeah. you know, same difference. But also in the environment of ATX, though, is the, is the type of thing where somebody might actually do so. Uh, you know, you never know in that sort of small little area where people are going to end up. So, yeah, that was fun to, you know, see uh, Mike and Nate again. And, uh, and then, all, but then sort of, Kyle and I met them last year at Frank, and then we sort of expanded it out to, hey, what do we? Why don't we do an actual uh, podcaster meetup? I guess, I guess, actually, t- technically, we could say that was the first podcaster meetup, and that this was the second one. We expanded tremendously <laughs> yeah, after the first. That's right. We really grew. You, we really got big <laughs> after the the first one. Uh, so yeah, that was that was a lot of fun. You know, talking about different TV shows and talking about different tv podcasts and what people were doing and but always fun in those environments to you know actually get a chance to i've listened to you know some of them and you know you maybe have chatted on twitter or or stuff like that but to actually get a chance to uh, to meet in person uh, that that's always one of the highlights for me of going to these like uh, events and stuff like that is to meet people from all around that tend to congregate at these types of things and it gives you a chance to you know, meet in real life, as they say. So it's always weird to hear the voice, the disembodied voice yeah. now <laughs> attached to an actual face, which is always a weird experience. Yeah, especially if uh, they, if, if no place there is actually, you know, if there's, you know, some sort of drawing or, you know, logo type thing, there's no actual picture of anybody on the website. And so your your mind has already created some version of what the, of what this voice looks like and then to actually meet the person and see if those two things actually, uh, uh come close or not. That's always, 
Uh, that's always interesting. But we'll move on to Sunday. And uh, for me, I'll just start out real quick. For me, since I had uh, the Fast Pass to Terriers, or in, to, but to go to the Terriers panel that started at 11, there was no chance to go to anything before it. And then didn't end up getting into, as I talked about previously, <laughs> into the OC script reading. So the Terriers panel ended up being my only thing on on Sunday uh, that was part of the, uh, you know, that was part of the festival. But they had uh, Ted Griffin, the creator, uh, you know, Sean Ryan, Marnie uh, Hockman, and Tim Maneer, uh, all there as, uh, you know, executive producers and writers. Uh, and then they had uh, Donald Logue was there, and then Michael Raymond James was supposed to be there, but he ended up Skyping in, and so they had a giant Michael Raymond James Skype face on the big screen, you know, the big movie screen behind them uh, as they were talking about, and then Alan Seppenwall was the moderator uh, talking about it. But then they showed uh, uh, the episode uh, uh, Fuster Cluck, which is... I love that one. <laughs> which is... You know, it's it's just a little bit into the season, but it's into the season enough where things, where little things start to tie together. You know, or you, they start to find out a little bit more uh, about what what's going on and stuff. And you, uh, and, and it's 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 a really, it is it is a pretty good episode. But it, as always, it was interesting to hear them talk afterwards about you know about stuff like the name of the show and the poster and whether they felt like they were ahead of their time you know, by a few years, uh, the possibility of doing, you know, of coming back and doing more or, you know, of maybe because everyone has to do yeah, that <laughs> or maybe doing it. But, but the idea that he has an idea for a TV movie uh, and that if they could, if they could get, if they could actually get you know somebody to back it or whatever, like FX to back it or or things to work that they and and Michael Raymond James and Donald Logue seem to be you know type of up for it. So you know, in the world of where TV's never dead anymore, yeah, <laughs> it's all that is a potential possibility. But I find it interesting in this in that they were talking about it as something that they wanted to do because a lot of times, sometimes people are just like yeah. That's it's not going to ever happen, you know. Like they don't, they don't really have the want necessarily to go back into into that world. But that was that was fun. It's always fun to watch some of these episodes and shows, like you know, on a big movie screen, you know, sitting in a theater. And so that was that was cool. And like like I said, you had you know, this was one of the panels that they set up, and so they had like you know Ted Griffin and Sean Ryan, but they were able to bring like Sean Ryan cuz Sean Ryan was there for like the shield and and other things and so some of these other people popped up on other you know on other panels and things that they put together when those other things weren't necessarily the original reason that they were trying to get them to come to the festival and so yeah that was just uh, uh that was that was that was that was probably that and for me that and the west wing were the two you know were kind of the two things uh, that were the the most interesting panels and the ones that you know I was kind of looking forward to and then were really cool to to be there for and then the the whole thing with Michael Ray James on uh, on Skype was that he was sitting there on Skype and then every once in a while when somebody else was talking he would get up and go into his kitchen and get him some more coffee and then come back and and you could just see that all happening on the screen 
uh, be fine. It made it for an extra little uh, entertaining. Uh, how about you on Sunday, uh, Melissa? Um, my Sunday was kind of quiet. I went to the Terriers. That was like one of my fast passes I had to be at. Um, loved, loved, loved that show so much. And just seeing them talking about it. And um, I, if they ever do a movie or something, that's like one of my favorite canceled too soon shows. So I would be all over that. If they want to kickstart it, I will back it. I'm so up for any way to get more of that show because there were so many more stories to tell. Um, and I would love to see them. And then, um, that, that was the only, that was the only panel I did Sunday. Um, I couldn't get into the OC, um, because I was doing interviews with the, um, with the cast of preacher that was there. So, which was actually kind of awesome. I mean, I didn't think I'd say at the end of the weekend, oh, yes, I talked with Dominic Cooper. And it was just like, and Ruth Nega. Ruth Nega may now be one of my absolute favorite people um, working in television. She is just so um, honest and interesting and just very, very, just a super intelligent yet fun conversation. Um, so that, that was, that was probably terrier, a tie between terriers and preacher was probably my Sunday highlight, but yeah, it was a really quiet, a a, a much more quiet day for me. And I stopped by the Fargo vinyl launch, which was kind of fun. Um, they did it at the Stephen F bar at the intercontinental and it was, um, some of the bands that are on the Fargo soundtrack, the Fargo TV series soundtrack. So basically what they've done is they take songs that were in Coen Brothers movies and they do remakes of them. And a lot of the bands doing these covers are Austin bands. So they had a couple of them there. And then Noah Hawley actually performed two or three songs as well. Um, He was there to intro it and everything. And then he sang, he sang on at least two, maybe three songs. So it was just a fun, you know, way to end things. And a lot of people were just stopping by to say goodbye to each other and stuff like that. And there was some food and some cocktails and it was just you know a nice i mean austin is a city that's really known for its music scene so this was the first year that it really felt like they incorporated that into the into the into eight into the atx tv festival so it was uh it was a it was a more low-key day and kind of needed that at the end of you know a crazy three days in a row um but it was uh yeah sunday was sunday was a good day and terriers was definitely a big reason why it was it was a good day. Yeah, it was a, it was the type of it's the type of thing where you go and you you grab some breakfast in the morning and then you go line up, get into your first panel, and then all of a sudden you realize, hey, wait, it's four or five o'clock and I haven't eaten anything <laughs> all day. That's why the that's why having food at the Alamo Draft House is always a good thing. Yeah. I, I I ate a couple of meals there. <laughs> yeah, if you, yeah, that's the that's that's always a, a bonus if you're if you're. Later, a little bit later in the day, if you're catching uh, one of the panels that's doing at the Alamo Draft House, and they come through, yeah, yeah, order some uh, chicken strips or something, you know, like uh, to to at least uh, get you uh, through the rest of the day. But yeah, that that became because there were so many things there this year that there weren't any. Last year, I remember there being a couple of times where you know there was like a period of time where there were things, but nothing that I was super interested in, and that was like. You're like, oh, hey, you're not doing anything else. You want to go get something to eat, you know, type of thing. This year there was like something I always wanted to to do until like later in the 
in the evening and then you're all of a sudden you're like, uh, I haven't eaten in like eight hours. All I've been doing is just drinking water, water and more water the whole uh, the whole time. But you actually got into the uh, the OC. Oh, I did. A, I did three whole panels. Sunday. Yeah, I, I was busy. Yeah. <laughs> I so my my morning started off. Uh, I ventured way out to the Google Fiber space and went to the Jim Gaffigan show panel, uh, where uh, since it's Jim Gaffigan and a lot of his, of his humor is about food, they handed us all bagels when we first walked in. Um, so then then they showed us an episode that's going to air next week. Uh, like the they're doing a two episode premiere. It's the second episode. It's basically based off of like this tweet that he did that landed him in like social media jail. And so they parody that and they have like all these amazing guest stars in that episode. And they so in the panel, which had um, Jim Gaffigan, Ashley Williams, Michael Ian Black and his real life wife, uh, Jeannie Gaffigan, they talked about like how that that episode came came about and how they got all these like big names into the episode and who wasn't willing to to do uh admit to their own social media faux pas that and then of course michael ian black was joking oh it was bill cosby <laughs> and like so they were they were throwing out jokes the whole time it was a really entertaining and fun panel uh and so at the end when i was leaving i, I made sure to get a picture with uh jim gaffigan and then I was heading over to the OC panel, but when I got outside, they like pulled me in for the Royal Pains, uh, and so for that, first they uh, showed like the a screening of the upcoming musical episode. I wasn't even aware that they were going to be doing a a musical episode because I'm like a half season behind, but it was like just a weird, wacky uh musical it was definitely going for like um campiness like it knows like this is like way over the top dance numbers and and musical performances and so they knew that like it was it was going for that campy fun feel and it was entertaining episode it also had some character developments and uh and some heart in there as well and then afterwards they had pretty much the entire main cast on stage. Um, I haven't, like I said, I haven't seen it half a year, so I'm not sure if there's other characters that have been introduced, but they had like uh, all the main characters there. And then they, they basically used it to talk about um, like all their time on the show and how things change. And like right from the beginning, like what it was like uh, when they first started working on the show, like most of them, they've never had shows that have gone on even like two seasons, let alone eight seasons. So they were all like talking about that and happy about that. So overall it was, uh, I, I enjoyed the panel. I wasn't going to go to it. I was just going to wait outside, but uh, like I said, it worked out well for me. Cause then I was, I chose the second row better than the first row for the OC creative slash script reading. So the way that they did that was um, at the beginning, they had just the uh, creator of the show, Josh Schwartz, along with some of the um, like the music supervisor and two of the producers. And so they talked for maybe like a half hour about just how the show came about, how they selected music and how like the music on the show became like a huge thing. And then bands wanted to be on on the show and so they talked a lot about the show itself and then afterwards then then they cleared the stage and josh schwartz came back out to narrate the the script um so they read the pilot script they pulled in a whole bunch of 
of other celebrities. So after last year's script reading where they had like a couple of the characters switch gender, of course they did that all over the place this time. So they had like Anson Mount, who I would never have known was Anson Mount because he looks nothing like his Helen Wheels character. He was playing the mother and he like had everyone laughing from the first minute he spoke with his like really light, like feminine voice like he he had even said like he watched the episode the night before and he like read the script ahead of time he practiced this whole thing and he was ready for it um then they had Mae Whitman playing the Seth Cohen character um and then another female I forget who who it was uh was playing like a uh the main character Ryan and then Ashley Williams was there as well um playing Sandy Cohen the uh the father and Tate Donovan was like their surprise guest from the original cast who is reprising his role. And they had a whole bunch of other people. They had some of the front end lights guys uh, playing women, of course. Uh, and so they were just having a lot of fun with it. Like overall, like throughout the when they're reading the episode, like Josh Schwartz are throwing commentary about like, wow, we really had this or like there were scenes with all them people doing all kinds of drugs. He's like, this obviously didn't make it to air like this stuff got cut. And so like he was adding a lot of fun stuff like and like when they would say like, oh, so and so pulls out their Blackberry pause and everyone laughed because it was just ridiculous. Like a lot of the old stuff that happened in this in this episode but overall it was like a really fun panel um the i wish they would move like these these script readings into the even larger bar room because i think this is always something that people want to want to see and it's it's usually a lot of fun yeah and i think it works as a great like you know festival ender you know like it's a yeah it's, it's a good fun you know leave you on a high note type of <laughs> type of event uh, type of thing if you can get in uh, to it, but with that, uh, so overall, Kyle, what was what? What do you think was your like favorite panel? Uh, it's hard to narrow it down to one. I would say my favorite panels <laughs> were <laughs> the Superstore, Life in Pieces, Big Script Reading, and Ugly Betty Reunion. Those are probably my top four things that I went to in no particular order. In no particular <laughs> order. How about for you, <laughs> Melissa? Best panel or best thing you did, best thing you got to do, uh, most fun you had hanging out with somebody? I, I think for me it was all about the Friday Night Lights tailgate. That was, like, such a huge highlight for me. And I got to meet Scott Porter finally. So that was a major, major, major highlight for me. <laughs> yeah, that was, uh, for me, I think, I think like I said, it was, the Terriers and the, the the West Wing; those were the the uh, while there was fun, they were uh, there were some jokes and stuff like that, and with them talking about uh, different things like uh, like alternate names they had for, <laughs> for Terriers, <laughs> which were I can't remember what was I can't remember the name now, but Ted Griffin goes actually that's the uh, that's the porn version of the show. He said also starring Michael Raymond James. Uh, but I think it was Terriers and the West Wing. Those were the, you know, the most interesting and the ones that were sort of at, they were at the top of my list of things I wanted to to see, you know, going into it and then turned out to be fun to sit through. But then there were always the ones that all the other ones, were, like the life in pieces and stuff like that, that were just hilarious because the people on the panel were really funny. 
I just I just realized the four things I said were the ones I had fast passes for. <laughs> <laughs> just, <laughs> coincidentally, I didn't even realize it until just now. <laughs> and now the most important question: best thing you ate while in in Austin, Kyle? I would say the Gus's world famous fried chicken. <laughs> Gus's world famous fried chicken. So it wasn't the Tang Fastic uh, donut. At I completely donuts. forgot about those Voodoo donuts. <laughs> I, I didn't try the Tang Tastic. I tried the uh, I tried the Captain Crunch glued on with some frosting onto a donut. Uh, how about you, Melissa? You're gonna make me pick. <laughs> well, you can do like you can do like Kyle and get the top four things you ate while in Austin. <laughs> Definitely uh, the queso at Chewy's. I think I may have eaten my body weight in queso. I had chicken tenders at Gus's that were to die for. And then having the Detroit-style pizza on the back patio at Craft Pride down on Rainy Street. That pizza was delicious. Yeah, that pizza, that pizza was really good. The leftovers tasted really good on the plane last <laughs> night, too. <laughs> Yeah, for me it was, I don't know. I think it for me it 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 bookends the while the the pizza was really good and there were some other things in there that were uh, that were pretty good. It was the queso at Chewy's on Wednesday night, and not because it was free because they forgot us in the bar and didn't seat us in the correct order. But I'm always up for free queso. I'll sit in the bar for an extra few minutes if you want to put free queso and chips on the table. That was really good, and then. The brisket that I had at Cooper's Monday afternoon for lunch before we all left, that was really good, too. You're saying you saved all the good food for the days I wasn't there. Yes, that's right. We ate at all the good places when you were there, Kyle. See why you come in, why you come in early or you stay later? Uh, that's right. But, no, I mean, that brisket was so tender. Just, like, barely touch it with a fork to be able to cut, like, through it. I mean, I've had some, a lot of brisket and some good, some good brisket and stuff like that. But that's probably like the tenderest I've ever had, and it and all that all the stuff there was pretty good. Uh, their mac and cheese was good. Their their beans were good, and it was an interesting spot too, in that they had like the display of all the all the meat choices that they have, and they're just like, "What do you want?" And you tell them what things you want and then they weigh it and wrap it up for you. Uh, and then you, you know, add some sides to it if you want, but just to see, cause a lot of times you see pictures or, or what's available here. You can actually see it's like there were ribs, there was brisket, there was, you know, sirloin steak and Turkey and chicken and different types of sausages and all kinds of stuff. And it's just all there for you to, uh, I want one of everything. Yeah, that's right. I was like, where's the sampler plate? Like, can you order like an ounce of everything? And uh, <laughs> just like, I want one pound, but it's split between uh, all the items you got there. Yeah, I think that was probably the the beginning and the end was, was really good. Uh, although the Amy's ice cream at the airport was was good as well. But yeah, the uh, especially since it looked like for a bit, like I was going to reverse last year, where last year somehow I didn't get any Tex-Mex or any queso or, or anything. And then this year it looked like that was all I was getting. We were eating at all kinds of Mexican places and, and stuff and never was getting to any barbecue places. Uh, so it was good to be able to remedy that, uh, at the end. And then to end the discussion, 
Kyle, are you going back again? I already picked up my <laughs> ticket the first day. That's right. As did I, so I will be back there for season six. And Melissa? Hell yeah. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So we'll all be back. So even with the little bit of problems and things that we talked about, all the fun that is had around there, all the food, even in the heat and the humidity, it's still a great time. And if you're a TV fan, it's the festival to go to, man, because there's so many different things TV-wise. You know, like Comic-Con is huge, but it's all genre-based. And even if you go to smaller or other Comic-Cons around, you know, more near you, it's still more superhero or comic or, you know, sci-fi based stuff. And here, you know, it runs the gamut of all kinds of shows from one hit wonders to old favorites, to new things, to new, you know, to new shows or that are playing now to new shows that are coming or they, you know, they do screenings of, of stuff that you can see, you know, like Kyle talked about pitch and queen of the South and things like that. And so I think it's uh it's the place if it's the place to come hang out in the summer you know uh, it's a it's a tv sleepaway camp for adults tv nerd summer camp yes right <laughs> <laughs> all right so with that that'll do it for our discussion our recap of uh, all the all the stuff we did all the fun we had at uh, ATX uh, television festival uh, season 5 yeah, if any of those panels sound interested to you, just follow the uh, ATX Festival Twitter account because they'll be making announcements as all of this stuff is made available online for you to watch. Yeah, because they were videoing everything, so they're going to start, and it, and I think they're going to be dropping a lot of them in you know full panels of uh, uh, you know minus the screenings, of course, but the actual Q and As and stuff like that. They're going to be uh, dropping a lot of those uh, over the over the course of time. And so, yeah, that's that's a, a great thing to uh, to do. Yeah, follow at ATX Festival on Twitter for more info on that. Uh, and uh, and Ivy, I will. I'll, I'll tell you when you need to buy your ticket, which is like probably like next week when they first go on sale, whenever that is. Get your ticket to come. But with that, we'll move on to the primetime segment uh, and put Brain Dead on the list just quickly to since it's new and we hadn't none of us ha- had seen it as of last week for the summer TV preview. So I thought we could at least briefly give uh, a few thoughts on what we thought about brain dead. And my thought is I'm not sure what they're going for. Exactly. I think they're going for some sort of political commentary, but then it's mixed with some sort of alien invasion, I think, but it's, it has a very weird vibe to it. I'm going to give it a couple more episodes to see uh, where it goes, but I'm not uh, I'm not overly sold after the first episode. How about you, Melissa? I actually kind of enjoyed it. I just watched it today, and it's one of those shows that I don't know if in a regular TV season if I'd be checking it out, like when, when there's a hundred other things to watch, but it seems like a fun summer series. I also kind of like some of the, the, the political, the political commentary that's, that's going on with it. So um, also it's kind of interesting because it's the Kings that created it um, just coming off of one of the other big, you know, kind of, political dramas of the past little while which was the good wife now seeing this which is a little a little bit more satirical and all that so i definitely think i'll check out at least a few more the first one 
I I chuckled. I I was intrigued by. So I I will definitely. I'll definitely check out more. I'll see where it goes. But um, for now, I think I'm in for this season. How about you, Kyle? I also enjoyed it. Like it, it, You can see those elements of The Good Wife in it, like especially with like the orchestra music in the background to end out a scene. It felt like a, a very Good Wife thing to do. But yeah, I, I really like what they set up. Like The characters are interesting. I have no clue what's going on, but like <laughs> it's just fun to watch. Like... It feels almost like a Men in Black type of series. Like you got Tony Shalhoub also playing like this crazy character, and like when the guy's brains fall out of his ear, you're like, what is going on? And like, why is this? Why is everyone obsessed with you? Might think uh, by the cars. Like, what does this song have to do with everything? And uh, yeah, so I mean, I'm interested to see. It feels definitely like a CBS summer show that they've established now with like Under the Dome and Zoo, like just all these like crazy. Although this one, I think, is trying to be funny, where the other ones <laughs> weren't or necessarily intentionally funny. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I'm I'm definitely in for it now. Um, I don't know if I'll be saying that a few weeks from now, but. Right now, I'm, I'm I'm intrigued by it. So that's brain dead. We've got uh, three people that are at least going to check out a couple more episodes of it to see uh, where it's going. Next up on the list is Unreal, uh, season two, episode two, Insurgent, and mainly put this one on the list to talk about because I've seen, I don't know, I've seen it like both ways. Uh, people are very much enjoying the show, enjoying the second season, but are not sure about the development at the end of it, which is uh, Michael Rady comes on as the now showrunner uh, because of things that are, have been happening since this new season is starting. Uh, and people seem to be not too happy with that or not exactly liking that potential development or what that could mean. And so I thought that that'd be interesting to, you know, at least talk about that aspect of the episode uh, and Melissa, what did you think of how it led up to that and and where it leaves you going, you know, for the rest of the season? I had a feeling the second Rachel went into went into complain about, you know, Chat and Quinn and their, you know, trying to outdo each yeah, other. That it wasn't gonna work um, out for her. <laughs> that it wasn't gonna work out for Rachel because nothing ever works out for Rachel. Why would it work out for Rachel? If it worked out for her, would we still have a show? perhaps but this adds even more tension um i'm curious to see what happens as a result it's um you can kind of i i feel a bit uneasy watching this season because they've done such a good job of showing this conflict like what one person thinks the show should be and what the former person in charge you know, comes in and he's suddenly taken over all the guys, like what that's going to be. But there's also like the other threads that are going through the storyline, like having this really um, radical activist character, bringing her into this totally uh, misogynistic situation in series, um, you know, seeing how she, how she plays into it all. Um, so, uh, I don't know. It's going to be, it's going to be interesting. I started to see um, Rachel cracking a little bit this episode. Um, So I'm, I don't know if that means that she's going to backslide a bit or if she's going to stay strong. 
Um, so I, I'm curious to see what this is going to, what this is all going to lead to. I think it adds like an, an additional interesting layer of drama. I also kind of like the, how timely it is with like the issues that they're discussing um, in in this show about you know trying to score a famous dude a wife. Um, <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a it feels like a heavier season in a way. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I did not find anything wrong with the introduction of that character. I like what he's going to potentially bring to it. Um, he's been pretty good in everything else I've seen him on so far. So, uh, yeah, I'll just, uh, see how that plays out. Almost, I'll most closely be looking at what happens to Rachel because she finally had kind of, kind of like some confidence and some cockiness, but maybe she got overconfident too soon. Um, so I just want to see how she kind of navigates this new, this new dynamic and this new person who, you know, has taken what she thought was going to be hers. Yeah. Trying to, yeah, trying to shake that shot and it not quite working out for her, but then also potentially causing her, you know, could potentially cause a, a rift that not that they're exactly simpatico after this episode, uh, you know, with her. Why am I blanking on uh, with Constance Zimmer's character with the uh, Quinn? Yeah, with Quinn. So you know that that dynamic, especially since he knows that it was her that came into that basically caused. Uh, if she had never said anything, you know, Quinn and and Chet would still be fighting or whatever and uh, and whatnot. But there wouldn't be this third you know person now put back in place. So yeah, that I don't know. I found it. I it I didn't even think twice about it. Like I was just like, oh, there's a a little twist that'll cause some, you know, some potential tensions and and stuff, uh, and and maybe, you know, not end up getting the show that they actually want to make or you know think they were making. It didn't even cross me. It was I thought I was almost like weird when I started seeing people tweeting or talking about how they weren't sure, like they didn't really like that that twist or that ending or, or whatnot. And I was like, but given the people behind the show and what we've seen out of the first season and what they've set up in this first episode of the first season, are these somehow like, you don't trust that they, at least at this point, I'm more willing to trust them that they have a good idea of what they're doing with this, you know, where they're going to go with the story. We, you know, with the, you know, the story that they're telling about the, you know, these two women and trying to, you know, of them trying to actually get theirs, you know, and uh, in what has been even on a show like an everlasting, a male dominated, you know, world and a you know male dominated network. Uh, so I, I don't know, I've, <laughs> I found it like, of course, you go complain to the guy and he sees the thing and goes, my golf buddy is, is messing up, but so is, so is Quinn. So I'm going to bring in this other guy <laughs> that, that, uh, you know, has been, you know, is, is sort of like the hot property type of thing that we've been trying to do something with. And so we're going to let him, you know, take a shot at this. I, I don't know. I'm, 
it didn't even really phase me. I was just like, I, I, at the end of it, I was like, oh, I wish there was another episode to watch. <laughs> yeah, I, I had the same thing. Like, I don't understand. I didn't even know that there was any of this, like, backlash. Like, to me, it was fine. The only thing I didn't like was that he seems to be, he like, the guy is like, oh, we want to do more of what Chet's doing with that ever-blasting. And it's like, no, <laughs> I don't want the ever-blasting. That feels like an MTV, like, reality show. Not that I watch any of these type of shows, but that was the only piece that I didn't like. Plus, they're already, like, rough on budget like how are they affording this like hotshot guy is yet another person that they're that they've hired now to work on the show so i'm wondering how like you would think they would have to get he would have to get rid of one of them in order to hire this other guy but i'm i'm interested like you said i trust these people after the first season so like i'm i have no worries that the show is gonna suddenly be not good anymore or not what it was because of this change like it could who knows it might be done in like two or three episodes like people are getting like worried over nothing yeah i haven't gone to look to see if he has you know like 10 episodes of credits or something like that on imdb or something like that that he's gonna be in or something you know so yeah it could be like three episodes from now he's not working out either and they've They've wrestled the show back away or something, you know, who knows what uh, uh, or, you know, what type of dynamic it'll create. So, yeah, I I don't know. I thought it was uh, I thought it was pretty good. And I'm looking forward to, you know, where where the show continues to go and and push and push at things here in the in the second season. And with that, we'll move on to our uh, TV recommendation segment for me. My recommendation is uh, coming up two guys and a girl or what it was originally two guys, a girl and a pizza place. Uh, the complete series hits DVD on my birthday on Tuesday, June 28th, and uh, that was always a fun show. Of course, you had you know Ryan Reynolds uh, on the show, but then some of the side characters were Nathan Fillion, you know, and and Susan Cryer, who's now on Silicon Valley, and and so it was just a really a really great cast and a, a, a fun little show that uh, I enjoyed uh, back when it was originally on. And uh, I don't know. I think it may have been one of those shows that got hit with like music rights type of stuff. So I'm not sure exactly if you're getting the full exactly released episodes and whatnot from the show. But in any rate, it'll be good to get uh, the show and out there and be able to, to get it. I'm looking forward to it. It's uh, it's on my birthday list. <laughs> <laughs> but uh how about you kyle yeah i i actually have that for review i don't see any disclaimer on that saying music has changed but i'll yeah, I see just, oh. i just heard something about that i hadn't really looked in to see what the final dvd was but you know they uh, i think it's a shout factory release yeah yeah, shout yeah factory. and they they usually do pretty good at least getting a, a a lot of stuff yeah they get all the original music and stuff for um that uh, the freaks and geeks. So I wouldn't be surprised if they somehow managed to. Yeah, and I to think do it's that. actually. I think if you actually go to shopfactory.com, you can actually buy it now. Uh, yeah, it, they it, actually it, ship it early it, like, if you order it from them. Yeah, it, but it officially will release in other places and whatnot on the twenty eighth. My uh, my pick is Sean the Sheep, the Farmer's Llamas. Uh, it's a fun 30-minute special uh, based on the characters of 
from Shaun the Sheep. Uh, so in this, like, he uh, manipulates an auction so that the farmer gets some llamas that turn out to uh, be a little more than a handful. Uh, and so then he has to try to find a way to, to get rid of them. But I've always been a huge, like, Ardman animation fan, and this this is another one that's just great to look at. Like it's well animated and it has like a cinematic feel with the way they do the lighting and everything. And it runs a gamut from like madcap comedy to parts of it feel like a collegiate campus comedy. And then it gets into like a thriller by the end. And so it's amazing how much they're able to do with no dialogue. Everything's just like grunts and like squiggles on the screen for words so that it, it can be watched by anyone of any age. And, uh, and in any country um, right now, if you have Amazon Prime, you can actually watch it for free or uh, the DVD come, came out today. Um, and all of the bonus features are on the DVD are actually already on YouTube on the official Sean the Sheep account. You can find those like embedded in my review of the DVD uh, if you want to watch it on Amazon and then watch all the bonus features on uh, on YouTube. But uh, yeah, I really enjoyed it. I, I recommend if you're a fan of the Ardman stuff. Uh, it's a fun 30-minute watch. All right. And, Melissa, what is your recommendation this week? Well, we've got Season 3 of BoJack Horseman starting in just over a month. So if you haven't had a chance yet, I'd say definitely check out Seasons 1 and 2 that are streaming on Netflix. It's one of those shows that when I first heard about it, I was like, what on earth are they doing? And it quickly became like probably one of the best of the Netflix originals. Um, Such a really, you you don't expect a show about a talking horse and, you know, a talking dog and, you know, a cat that's his agent um, to really like delve into some deep issues and have you questioning your entire life. But that's what the show manages to do. But there are some really good laughs in there too, but it's, it's a really profound a really profound show at the same time. So I'm really looking forward to the new season and um, I'm planning to rewatch the first two leading up to it. So if you have watched it, maybe, you know, you need a little refresher, check it out. There's a perfect amount of time to, to even if you're watching like an episode a day or whatever, um, or if you haven't watched it yet, it's definitely one you should, uh, you should add to your list and don't let the fact that it's animation stop you. If you're not into animation. That's why I'm shocked. I haven't watched it yet. Cause I watch everything animated. Like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you're saying uh, this horse surprised you. Melissa? He was, it was definitely a surprise horse. He is the funniest thing since sliced bread. (laughs) Which will only, which will only be funny to about five people if they listen to this podcast, if they were in Austin with us. Oh, Uh, yes. But a perfect way to end this podcast that we spent most of the time talking about season five of the ATX festival uh, as always, you can find links uh, to our recommendations as well as uh, Kyle's review and uh, also the news stories we talked about, some of the podcasts we mentioned and and everything. We'll, all be, we'll have all those links in the show notes uh, at tvtimes3.com uh, slash 327. You'll also be able to find myself and Kyle and Melissa, links to our Twitters and websites and all of that as well. And next week, uh, Amory and Ray will be back with me, and we'll be talking about some, uh, well, 
summer TV shows, whatever we're we're watching. But also, since this is the period of time, you know, sort of over the next few weeks, where stuff's starting to get, you know, going uh, summer-wise. So it'd be a great time if you've got an idea or a topic, question about something uh, TV-related. You know, send those in to feedback at tvtimes3.com or leave them in the comments uh, on the show notes or hit us up on Twitter, any of those ways, uh, and we'll answer those questions or, or talk about those things in addition to uh, some of the summer shows that we're watching over the next few episodes. And uh, with that, thank you, uh, Kyle and uh, Melissa, for uh, joining me on uh, episode 327. Thanks for having me back. It's been a blast. Well, at least uh, I'll see I'll see you again in a in a few weeks, uh, Kyle at at Comic Con. But uh, unfortunately, yep. not going to see Melissa probably until next June. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what happens. And with that, that's our uh, our recap of uh, ATX uh, Television Festival Season Five. And uh, until until the until next week's podcast, uh, you know, thanks for listening. <laughs>